Amen. You may be seated. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. How many of you sing in the shower? Raise your hand. Singing in here is like singing in the shower, isn't it? You have the, if you have tile walls in your shower and the acoustics, and uh, the sound people hate it, but if you're up on the platform, you'll love that sound. It's incredible. It just bounces all over the place and makes us sound much better than we really are. I'm sorry, I turned to the wrong spot. Luke chapter 23. I had planned on uh, preaching a message tonight that uh, had to do with the Lord's table, but when we were singing, it is well with the soul, the Lord pricked my heart. And then Brother Eric, when he prayed, repeated that third verse, and it just worked it into my heart that the Lord wanted me to preach something else. Luke chapter 23, and if you're not sure what that third verse is, it says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. We sang, right after we sang that song, we sang a chorus, and, and I hear that chorus a little differently than it's written. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Then the next line says, Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. But I always hear, Thank you, Lord, Forgiving to me. He was forgiving to me. I don't know why I always hear it that way. And you could cut the rest of that line off and it would be enough to hear that Jesus Christ was forgiving to me. That's what verse 3 of it is well with my soul is talking about. The forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And often with the Lord's table, I try to just take one little thing and preach just a few minutes, not real long, because we do have the Lord's table to follow. I tried to preach just one little aspect, and I got away from that, but the Lord kind of brought me back to that for these few moments. So look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. I want to share a thought with you, and it occurred to me while I was over here reading about it a little bit, how could that possibly happen? What was it that was in the heart of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that would allow him to utter these words on the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus said a few things on the cross, didn't he? He said, I thirst. I'm reminded of Brother Dorkson as he used to sing that song, I thirst. Said the God of creation, I thirst though he made the seas. Think about that, how the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient under the death of the cross, humbled himself so much that the God of all glory would hang on a cross and say, I thirst. The Lord Jesus Christ would look down upon his mother and he would say to John, behold thy mother. And to Mary, he'd say, woman, behold thy son. Even in his great agony, he was concerned about the people that he loved for those around him. He would say on the cross, it is finished. Completing the work of salvation. 
Friends, there's nothing you need to do except believe. To put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ is paramount. After the service this morning, I had the blessing of meeting with somebody after church, and they said, I just, I just want to talk to you about the message this morning. If you were here at 8.30, it wasn't that message. I preached something different at 10.30. And we went in my office, and we talked for a while, and he said this, and I thought, this is, this is wonderful. He said, you said in your message that we need to be saved by the Bible way. He said, would you listen to my testimony and make sure that I got saved the Bible way? We went through it all, and I believe that he had accepted Christ as his Savior. It sounded like he had genuine faith in Christ, that he turned away from everything else and believed only in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And as soon as he settled in his heart that he believed, yes, okay, if that's what the Bible says, I have done that. I have put my faith in Christ. He looked at me, he says, now I need to be baptized. Boy, I love it when they disciple that easily. But he understood that the work of Calvary was enough. He'd been a Mormon for 27 years. And he said, in the Mormon church, I, I understood this and I was taught this, that you are saved by grace after you've done everything you can. Well, that's not grace at all. That's work salvation. I will do everything I can and God will pick up the slack. Well, isn't that wonderful? But Jesus said, it is finished. The work of salvation is complete. We no longer have to look for a savior. All we need to do is look to Mount Calvary to find Jesus who died and shed his blood, was buried and rose again. There's no need to look and search for another Messiah. He has come. The Christ is risen from the grave. But I want you to notice tonight something else Jesus said. And look, if you will, at verse 27. He's not on Calvary just yet. And he says in verse 27 of Luke chapter 23, And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Let me read that verse again, verse 34, as we've been talking a little bit about some of the things the Lord Jesus Christ said on the cross, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ cried out to you and asked that you would forgive these folks for their sins. 
What incredible grace. What incredible mercy. Father, we are well aware that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, who walked on the water, who spoke and the seas were calmed, who cried out, Lazarus, come forth, and the grave opened wide, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, was more than capable of coming off that cross and rectifying the entire situation. Could have easily called 10,000 angels to his aid. But instead, he willingly gave his life, a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And in the process, he looked upon his accusers, those that would crucify him, those that drove the nails, those who put crowns of thorn upon his head, those who tore his clothes from his back, those who beat him with the cat of nine tails, those who spit upon him and plucked his beard. And he said, Father, forgive them. Father, I pray that you'd help us for the next few moments as we consider this passage. Just those few words. That first of all, you would provoke in our hearts an overwhelming thanksgiving for what Jesus has done for us. And Father, help us also to learn that we must be forgiving to others as well. So Christ, help us now, we pray. Fill us with thy Holy Spirit. We're trusting you to speak tonight. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, forgive them. Can you imagine hanging on the cross through blood, stinging eyes, looking upon those that had just nailed you to a tree and those that had put thorns upon your brow and those that had shredded your back to ribbons and those that had plucked your beard and those that had spit in your face and asking your father if he would forgive them. As that third verse of It Is Well With My Soul was sang tonight and repeated in a prayer, it reminded me that of the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To think that in that condition, in that state, could he ever turn his eyes heavenward and ask his father to forgive those that would hurt him, those who would take his life. And sitting in that chair over there, the questions begin to arise in my heart. Could I do the same? Would I be willing to forgive those that have hurt me? I think far too often, and I may speak only for myself, I don't know about you, but when I'm wrong, my back gets up. And I get angry sometimes, and I want to lash out, and I don't want to show that forgiveness, but nothing has ever happened to me like what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never bore a burden like he bore. I've never carried a cross like he carried. I've never felt the sins of the entire world upon my back like he felt. Here's one thing that none of you have ever felt that Jesus did. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because if you're a child of God here tonight, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, he forsook his son because he had your sin upon his shoulders. But he'll never forsake you. 
the burden and the pain and the sorrow that the Lord Jesus Christ carried, no man has ever known. And yet he was able to look down and say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. My question is, is how could he do that? He said, well, the quick and easy answer is, well, he's the son of God. Absolutely, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He said, well, Jesus never got angry. My Bible tells me that he sat on the front steps of the temple and he weaved a scourge. And he went in and he turned over the tables of the money changers and he chased them around with a whip. He said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. He got upset from time to time. The book of Matthew tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ went off into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and he came back and he found his disciples asleep. And in the Greek there, it's emphatic. And he says, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Boy, those disciples could get frustrating. And Jesus was with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some of you ladies couldn't handle your husbands that long. Let's be honest. You need that break once in a while. Jesus was with them night and day in all their frailty and all their weakness. And he loved them. Yeah, Jesus got angry sometimes. He never sinned in his anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. So the Lord Jesus Christ had never sinned. But that emotion ran in his heart. There were times where he was joyful and happy. And there were times, I'm sure, where he was sad. The Bible says at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. His heart was sorrowful and breaking. Jesus knew what emotion was all about. And yet in the darkest moment of his life, he could say, Father, would you forgive them? Forgive them. How could he do it? I think the answer lies a couple pages earlier. Would you just turn back to chapter 22? Chapter 22. And can I tell you tonight that if we are going to forgive like Jesus forgave, we ought to prepare our hearts like Jesus prepared his. Understand this, Jesus Christ never came to the cross of Calvary unprepared. He said, well, if I prepared for that thing, they'd have never found me. That might be true if it were you and I. If I were preparing for that thing, I wouldn't have walked publicly. I would have never went to Jerusalem. The disciples said, no, don't go to Jerusalem. Peter said, not so, Lord. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God. They just didn't want him killed. And when his time was not yet come, the Bible says he walked no more openly in jewelry because he, he knew that the Jews were going to kill him. But when it was time, he boldly marched on the back of an ass into the city of Jerusalem, as the people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. It was public and open. He wasn't hiding from anything. But he was prepared. He was prepared. Can I show you where? Luke chapter 22. 
We've just come through, I'm not going to read it all, the Passover meal. In Luke chapter 22, you will find the story of the disciples gathered in the upper room with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they've prepared a meal to celebrate the Passover. It was at that same meal the Lord instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or a communion time, and he took the bread and he broke it and he passed it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. A little bit later on, he would take the cup and he would say, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And he set up a memorial supper. The Bible says they finished their meal and they, you'll remember at that meal that Jesus got down and he washed the feet of the disciples. There was another time where Judas would get up and leave and he said, what thou doest, doest quickly. And Judas would go out to betray him. At the end, the Bible says they sang a hymn and they went out. So where did they go? Look at what it says in verse 39. And he came out and went as he was, don't miss that next word, it's important, want, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. Notice what it says with the Lord Jesus Christ after the Last Supper and talking about Peter's denial and Judas's betrayal. They sang a hymn, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, and they left that place and they came out in verse 39 and went as he was wont. In other words, as his habit was. He went to a place called the Mount of Olives. He said, why is that significant? What did Jesus do when he went to the Mount of Olives? That was his place of prayer. That's where he met with God. I believe that what happened on the cross of Calvary, Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, is a result of Jesus praying and being prepared. I don't have the time tonight to expound any much more, but if I were to take you to the book of Matthew and to read that account of Jesus praying in the garden, you will find that he returns and he finds the disciples sleeping and he, wait, I kind of think maybe he kicked their foot a little bit. Hey, could you not watch with me one hour? And he went off and he prayed again and he came back and he found him sleeping a second time. But you know what he said the second time? He just encouraged them a little bit. He went and prayed. And the third time he said, sleep on. Rest. Take your rest. He's saying, what are you trying to, I'm trying to get at this. As Jesus prayed through that night, he was able to manage the weaknesses of others. He became more compassionate towards his disciples who did not understand the gravity of that night and they did not understand the suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ was doing in that garden as he sweated great drops of blood and so they were sleeping and he was upset the first time. The second time he showed more compassion and finally he said, take your rest. This time of prayer in the garden is as difficult as it was for Jesus. It was then that he would pray, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. As hard as it was upon Jesus Christ, it physically disturbed his body, and yet it prepared him for the cross of Calvary. And when he hung on that cross, he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. 
when I think of the scope of that statement tonight, I don't think he was just talking about the Roman soldiers. I don't think he was talking just of Pilate or Herod. I don't believe he was talking about the Pharisees or the Sadducees. I think he looked down through history and he saw us. Because be sure about this one thing. If they were to blame, so are we. It's put very simply in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world. Romans 3 says it this way. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We all deserve that penalty back on Mount Calvary. Just as sure as Pilate's sin and the Pharisees' sin and the Roman soldiers' sin were upon the backs of Jesus that night, so was yours. The God of creation is not bound by time, and he wasn't dying just for the sins of those that were alive in that moment, but he was dying for the sins of all those who will ever live, and for those that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they can hear those words ringing through the history today, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I wonder if the Lord Jesus Christ looks down from heaven and weeps over a world that is lost like sheep without a shepherd. And he's begging his father to forgive them. And God is saying, I will, if they'll just turn. Whosoever will may come. Whoever wants it can find grace. Whoever needs mercy, it's available at the foot of the cross. We sang this morning, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. Friends, when you hear that verse, I'm not going to go any longer. When you hear those words, Father, forgive them. Put your name in there. He's talking about you. Can I, can I say this? If he's not talking about you, there's no sense ever coming back to church again. If you can't be forgiven, if you can't find grace and mercy through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ, we are all without hope. But if you believe tonight that Jesus Christ died on a cross and paid the price for your sins, and those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, applies to you as much as it did 2,000 years ago. Rejoice. Sing his praises. Be unashamed to worship him. We, we, we're so worried about what people are going to think. Oh, listen, one day you'll stand before God. It won't matter what anybody else thinks. Oh, I, I was nervous. I was scared. I, I was ashamed. No, no, no. The Bible says that if we proclaim him openly, he will proclaim us openly before the angels of heaven. But if we deny him, he'll deny us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's for you, and that's for me. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for a moment tonight. We're going to move into the Lord's table, and of course, it's going to be completely unusual and different than we normally would. But I would invite you to just spend a moment in prayer.